0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma
1: You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited to be joined by the wonderful Tony Tone, who is a content creator. She's a speaker, an author. She's got this amazing book out called I Wish I Knew This Earlier, Lessons on Love. And it became an instant Sunday Times bestseller. And yeah, she's well known for talking about relationships for her very brilliant tweets that just pack in so much wisdom into a very small number of characters. But yeah, we talk about how we can get better at communicating in relationships. We talk about how Tony learned to love herself and you can too. And we both talk about, you know, personal experiences that we've had earlier in our lives, in relationships. You know, I've, if you follow him on Instagram, you know, I've spoken about this, how I've been with my partner for 12 years, but it was kind of, yeah, it was definitely very difficult in the beginning. It was challenging, I think, because of my anxiety and my insecurities. So we kind of dig into that a little bit as well. We talk about getting off the achievement treadmill. I asked Tony, you know, one of my favourite questions to ask guests is, you know, what's something that you're struggling with at the moment? Just to show the other side that it doesn't matter how Successful you might be, or how glamorous your Instagram, you know, everyone's struggling with something. She talked about this idea of, you know, the next thing, the next thing, you know, what's the next achievement that you've got to do once you've ticked something off, you've got to get onto the next one. And we just talk about, you know, how we can actually enjoy the process a bit more. And we also dig into how to have a better money mindset. So, Tony also, this is one of the things she talks about is our relationship with money, budgeting how we can have a better relationship with money. And it's just another one of those topics, a bit like sex and relationships that we don't talk about enough and yet are so, so important in our lives. So yeah, love talking to Tony about that. So I hope you love this episode. I am going to do very soon a QA and a podcast where I'm answering your questions. So please send me a message on Instagram. If you don't follow me already, I'm at Chloe Brotheridge. And send me a question. Put me, yeah, send me a DM with your questions that you want me to answer in the podcast. And I'm going to do a bit of a Q and A episode because I haven't done one of those for absolutely ages. And I also want to just remind you of one of my favorite free resources that I have on my website: the confidence affirmations. I get so many messages about this because it's an audio recording. You listen to it you repeat after me these affirmations in your head or out loud and it really starts gradually and slowly to change the way that you talk to yourself the way that you think about yourself and you know confidence is just one of the most important factors in our lives how we feel about ourselves how we talk to ourselves is almost nothing more important than that because if you don't feel good about yourself you don't believe in yourself you're going to hold yourself back you're going to limit yourself and so I designed this affirmations mp3 to really help you to make a change you can download it for free on my website karma c-a-l-m-e-r hyphen that little dash in the middle u-y-o-u forward slash confidence so it's karma hyphen forward slash confidence to get that freebie so I hope you love it and I hope you love this episode cool so welcome Tony thank you so much for joining me how are you doing today I'm very
2: well. Thank you.
1: How are you? Yeah, really well. Thank you. Really well. I've been really enjoying reading your book. It's called I Wish I Knew This Earlier, Lessons on Love. And it's definitely, yeah, I was reading it. I was like, oh my God, I so needed this when I was in the early stages of having relationships. And in the early stages of my relationship, I've been with my partner for about 12 years now. So quite a long time, but definitely like made a lot of mistakes and like struggled a lot in this area. So it's really good to to talk to you about this topic and really, yeah, have a lot, a lot that I think um, people are going to be interested to hear about. But first of all, could you share a bit about what you do and how you got to, to where you are today and came to write this book?
2: Sure. So I'm an author and content creator. And the author side of what I do came about in a a rather weird and unique way. I went through a breakup a few years ago. Uh, It was 2018. And I was in an on and off relationship for six and a half years. And when that relationship ended... I was overwhelmed with a million thoughts about what went wrong, what to do moving forward and just generally replaying every single moment of that relationship in my mind. And I got so overwhelmed that I felt like I needed to just offload. Um, And rather than open up a paper journal and write it, I decided to hop onto Twitter and just share my thoughts about, love, relationships, dating. And initially it was an online journal for me. It was a venting process and everything just went from strength to strength as far as people being able to relate, people getting in touch with me, publications, sharing my tweets online. And my platform grew exponentially in that period. Before I knew it, People knew me as the relationship girl on Twitter. And one day Harper Collins got in touch with me and they asked whether I'd be interested in writing a book. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic because I have so much like written already and so much saved that I would want to uh delve deeply in. And I, I said yes. And then that's how the book came to pass, really.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I I, I found you on Instagram and you share your tweets on Instagram. And it's amazing how you managed to pack in so much into just a few sentences. I think you've got a real knack for just really like distilling your message into something really, really impactful and short. But I love that. I was wondering, and I, I know you talk about this in the book. Well, it seems like this is one of the themes. What are kind of some of the mistakes that we can tend to make when we're dating, when we're in those early stages of know choosing who to date or yeah going on dates are there certain things that you've seen or certain mistakes that you made yourself that that is kind of a pattern that you see a lot of
2: definitely I've made many a mistake in my 20s when it came to dating so uh one of the mistakes that I would make was was going into dating without a clear understanding of what I was actually trying to get out of it and um, and for that reason I wasn't really judging people based on character and how we complemented each other within a relationship it was based on how I feel butterflies oh he makes me feel like this this is great this is wonderful let me pursue it without looking at at like tangible qualities or qualities that one would say uh, contribute to a good relationship so for example someone who is a good communicator who's willing to listen as much as they're willing to converse with you Uh, someone who is honest someone who is is trustworthy, someone who is reliable. I wasn't looking at it from that angle. I was thinking, oh, yeah, this person's attractive. I like them. Let me go for it. So that, that's a mistake that some people make. I think another mistake is, especially women. Women do this uh, quite frequently. And having spoken to my female friends is something that I picked up on centering well I'm speaking on behalf of obviously heterosexual women but centering the man in your dating experiences i.e how can I please him how can I make him like me um, how can I make sure he's happy uh, what can I do to be this amazing doting girlfriend this ride or die chick that he's going to love forever without actually reflecting on okay what are we doing for each other? How is this a partnership? How am I also benefiting from this relationship? How is this working in a holistic way? So those are two common approaches. And connected to that one is also almost like altering your identity in a way to try and match them. So if they say they love football and you don't, all of a sudden you love football. If they say they like a certain thing and you're not necessarily a fan of it, pretending like you like it, or even uh, diluting aspects of your personality. If you're quite outspoken, you're quite loud, you're quite confident, maybe diluting that thinking that's going to help you in the dating market or help you attract a certain type of man. So yeah, I think those are three common mistakes people make in the early stages, particularly women.
1: Yeah, and I definitely can recognize some of those things I've (laughs) done myself. I think think it comes down to because I really struggle with self-esteem, anxiety, particularly in my teens, early 20s. And when you don't feel good about yourself you don't feel secure you don't know yourself it's so easy to lose yourself in another person or to just think you have to please someone else and and change yourself to try and be you know a good girlfriend or someone that's desirable and it, it is really easy i think i think probably lots of people listening to this podcast would relate to being a people pleaser where you really do whether it's with your romantic partner or friends or family you please other people to the detriment of your own yeah. mental health. And I think that can show up so, so much if we're insecure, if we don't, yeah, if we, we're young, we don't know how, yeah, the world works, I think, which is what happens when you're in your twenties or, yeah. you know, to late teens. Um, another thing that you spoke about in the book was how important it is to have, have your own life and have your own independence outside of a relationship. Because I know this happened for me, like when I first met Aiden twelve years ago, but he <laughs> became like I don't know if it was like a bit codependent or something, but he became like was the, the centre of my world. Yeah. And I definitely broke up with a couple of friends, or they broke up with me because they were like sick of me being a rubbish friend. But yeah, can you say a bit about that? Why it's important to to have our independence?
2: Yeah, I definitely relate to that. I remember being in a relationship when I was in university and just that relationship was a major part of my life and I didn't strike a healthy balance. And that independence is so important for, for a number of reasons. I think it's interesting actually that in your, in your example, like one thing that stands out is that it sounds like it was a choice made by you right and I think a lot of women do this it's not even the guy saying oh I want you to be with me all the time I want you to stop going out with your friends sometimes we we self-betray in a way and we totally disregard our own needs our own social circles because we want this relationship and I definitely did that um in my early 20s whereby it wasn't asked of me but I felt like it was my duty in a way or I I got so engulfed in the in the concept of love and having someone and I would yeah not go out with friends or I think of an excuse as to why I could stay in with my partner and their friends became my friends and my friends were just in the background and that's that's not good because it's very normal and healthy to have your own social circles uh, as individuals. And I think it actually contributes to uh, a happier relationship because it's nice to come home to uh, your partner, for example, if you've been out working and have something to talk about that doesn't revolve <laughs> around them and their life, And it's, it's healthy to have two separate lives. And I think a partner who genuinely loves you, who wants you to excel, wants you to have your social circles with the understanding that there are going to be moments where you're going to need a support system outside of them. It might be that you find yourself in conflict with them. It could be a small disagreement. It could be something big, but you're going to have that support system to help you through those moments. And this is a neutral support system that is detached from that experience and I think that's actually really important to have and some people might hear hear that and be like oh that sounds horrible like it sounds like a insurance policy why would you want to do that but that's a very normal and healthy thing and it's good to uh like you said you don't want to be codependent you don't want to be in a relationship whereby your entire sense of self is attached to that one individual
1: yeah definitely and there's that that thing that can happen where we expect our partner to be everything to us like best friend lover adventurer um (laughs) you know family member soulmate and yeah it's a bit too much to expect maybe them to play all these different roles in our lives it's like yeah we need a whole village don't we rather than just one expecting our needs to get met by one person
2: exactly exactly and it's it's near impossible for someone to be all those things but it, so much of society has suggested that your partner has to be your best friend your soulmate your this or that when it's like actually no your partner could be your partner your soulmate could be your best friend and your best friend could be your mother like it doesn't have to be in one person and it's and it's a lot of pressure to put on them as well it's a it's a massive uh, a massive weight on their shoulders to feel like they have to be everything for you at all times
1: mm, yeah absolutely I think one of the things that often comes up in terms of what's important in a relationship is communication. You know, we always hear this, like, communication is key. (laughs) Communication is key. Do you have any tips for how to communicate better whether that's when dating or in a relationship or what are some of the I don't know the things that we do wrong when we're communicating with with people
2: I think a key tip that definitely applied to me um growing up was was really trying to listen but listen to understand as opposed to listen to reply um when I was in my 20s I'd be in relationships and especially during like emotional times or times where I felt a little bit pressured, I wouldn't be listening. They'd be speaking and I'd be thinking about what I want to say and the things I need to get off my chest and my rebuttal. And I had to learn to actually really take the time out and listen to people. And that happened through, there were different techniques. So the first was when I'm speaking to someone, I pay attention to their mouth because I really want to remind myself, like you're taking in what they're saying. It's not about hearing. I want to take this in. And also pausing before I reply in the past, If I was going through like a difficult situation with a partner, they would speak and immediately off the bat, I'm replying. But taking a breath, taking a pause and then reply having having considered what they just said and I think another thing that helped me with communicating was learning to not take things so personally like I would take everything so personally and I would think that um certain things were automatically a reflection of me when in actuality if I actually listened it was a reflection of how my partner felt about a certain thing it didn't necessarily correspond to me being a bad partner or being a bad girlfriend it was Okay, this person feels this way for this reason. But my ego would tell me, oh no, this person, this is an attack on my character. And I would get really defensive. And I think having learned that, okay, not everything is about me. Sometimes things are about them and you just have to listen really helped me with taking in what people were saying. And I think that the listening part is almost as important, if not more important, than than the speaking. um so yeah, that, that was like a major learning curve <laughs> for me. And I, mm. I'm still learning, I'm still not the best listener, but I'm a lot better than I was, say, 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. It's it's interesting. It's like when you, especially if you're feeling anxious or if you have like social anxiety or you're nervous on a date yeah. or something, then you might be preoccupied by what you're going to say next or yes. what the person is thinking of you, but actually. I like the idea of like focusing on someone's mouth, focusing on what they're saying and just giving yourself a bit of time. I think, especially when we're anxious, we can think that we have to reply straight away or yeah. say something really quickly, <laughs> like just hope the words are going to come out right. But actually, yeah, I love that idea of just pausing, taking a moment to reflect and respond rather than like the, the knee jerk reaction that might come out automatically. Yeah. You mentioned ego there. That was something I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about why controlling our ego is important in relationships.
2: Gosh, um, it's important for so many different reasons. I think the first is when we are engulfed by ego, and, and that's not to say ego is a bad thing. Like everyone has a sense of pride, a sense of ego. But when we are engulfed by it, it's very easy to take everything personally in a way that is not conducive to a healthy and positive and peaceful relationship. Everything is a reflection of you. And that is not how relationships work. And that is not how people work. But when you're someone who, for example, is particularly anxious, your anxiety could lead you to, to feel like everything is a is a threat on on you or everything is a reflection of something negative in relation to you that sometimes we have to take a step back and say you know what sometimes the world is bigger than me and it's very hard especially if you have like a mental health issue for example uh, it's very hard in the moment to like rationalize in that way because it's beyond rationalization right but you sometimes you have to pause and think okay I know I feel this way, I know this is overwhelming, and I, I'm, I know that I'm replaying this a million times in my head, and I think, okay, this person dislikes me, this person hates me, this person will never love me again, this person doesn't want to see me, but maybe that's not it maybe it's not about me maybe they've had a horrible day at work maybe they want someone to talk to maybe they're having a difficult relationship with someone else and and that is why they're behaving in this way and almost detaching your sense of self to like a situation and i think when when you lead with a perspective that detaches ego you are also more willing to find solutions to things as well because when when you when you say to yourself okay it's not about me then you're trying to get to the core of what it is truly about right and i think that is really important and i think sometimes on the flip side um ego can also prompt us to see problems where there are no problems when it comes to our own sense of self so for example um a partner might have someone in their life who is a friendly generally a friendly person right and who has a lot of friends maybe friends of the opposite sex and they're generally a nice person but we have this strong sense of ego that is attached to a strong sense of possession like i need to be number one in their life at all times they need to love me more than anyone else i want to be the best thing ever to them and so we see anyone else that comes into our relationship as a threat or anyone else who's liked by them as a threat because we have this like overblown sense of ego sometimes so yeah I think just controlling that sense of self and understanding look it's important to value yourself it's important to think highly of yourself but it's also important to be able to to detach that sense of self from your relationships and say you know what the world is bigger than me sometimes issues have nothing to do with who I am and I do not have to be the the center of my partner's universe at all times.
0: Yeah
1: I love that thinking about the the world being bigger than us because I think when we're feeling insecure or we're, I don't know. Yeah, it can it can very easily get to a point where everything seems about seems about us <laughs> or taking things very personally. I know as someone who has definitely taken things personally myself, I like that advice of actually just taking a step back. And, you know, I often say to my clients, you know, what would what would you say to a a friend who was in this position? It's yeah. like we can we can easily see things from a clear perspective if we think about it happening to someone else and we can think about the good advice (laughs) and we know we know exactly how we deal with that if it's happening to someone else and then if it's us it's like we're too close to it we're like it's too personal we can't really see a way out so yeah I think that's really interesting yeah and I suppose that kind of leads on to what I was going to ask you about self-love and you seem like someone who loves themselves in a, in a good way. Can you share a bit about you know? Did you have to was it was it a journey for you to get to that point? And were there certain things that you did to have a better relationship with yourself, or have you always had a had a good sense of self? Uh,
2: it's a combination. I would say that it's definitely been a journey. But I I started in a place that was definitely a place of privilege, and I'm not going to disregard that. And when I say that, I mean like having um, a very close-knit family having a very close-knit nuclear family and having parents who there was there was this outpouring of love and there still is and my parents are big on like words of affirmation my mum in particular so i definitely grew up hearing that i was amazing i was wonderful i can achieve anything i want and i think that made a big difference to my experiences as an adult as well and it kept me very strong because when i was younger i was bullied And in the moments of being bullied and feeling like, okay, your peers didn't like you, um, that kept me going, feeling like, okay, there is someone on this planet that does like me. And I I feel that love and I feel that affection within my own family. So that definitely helped. And I I like to express that because I think when it comes to self-love, it's like, it's an illusion to pretend that people don't start from different places and people don't experience different privileges, whether it's privileges connected to race, for example, like me being in a predominantly white school growing up and um, me feeling very insecure for that reason. Or um, it could be that where I have certain disadvantages, I have certain privileges elsewhere. So I think that's really important to, to consider when I, when you talk about your journey. So yeah, so even though there were things that I was working against, there were things that were helping me, but it, it was definitely still a journey. So one thing that I struggled with growing up was insecurity about the way i looked so watching tv going to school and thinking you know what well, i'm only pretty if i have blonde hair and blue eyes for example so that was something that i had to unlearn and and i guess what helped me was this, this outpouring of love from my family but also my own independent journey to remind myself of certain things so remind myself that okay A lot of what we see on television is not true to life. Um, Remind myself that, again, the world is bigger than where I was living at the time, which was Oxford. Remind myself that there is so much more value in who I am beyond just my appearance. And I think like part of me doing that was also in pouring into myself in different ways. So, where I told myself, okay, there's so much more to me than the way I look, I thought, okay what is that? What can I feed into beyond that so I can love myself for numerous reasons? And it was about investing in myself, even from a small age, like anything I wanted to do, I I would do it. And it might not last long, Like I remember I did piano lessons. I was like, ah, I'm done with this. I was like, I want to get into drama. Then I was like, I'm done with this. But there was this like desire for me to follow any kind of dream and any kind of goal I had and that was a way for me to just kind of assert that you know what I have value on like on this planet I have value in this world and other people might not see it for this reason but I see it for this reason and then that kind of stemmed into obviously becoming a teenager but I guess those teenagers years were a bit different because then I was in a relationship that was not um, late teens, early 20s. I was in a relationship in university that was not a very healthy one. It was quite a toxic one. So all the work I did up to the point of like 18, 19, it was being undone in that relationship. And then again, I had to put myself in check and I eventually left that relationship. And I left that relationship because I had to say to myself, is this healthy? Like the person I was two, three years ago before getting into this relationship Am I a better version of that person now? And because the answer was no, based on the things I'd been through with with my partner at the time, I was like, okay, I have to leave and I have to reassess. And then after that relationship, I went through a a two-year dating hiatus, if you will. And I was like, okay, what do I want out of my future? What do I want out of my relationships? What don't I want And what have I been through that made me question my love for myself? And how can I undo that? A lot of self-reflection in my life, admittedly.
1: This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Murad Skincare. Founded by Dr. Howard Murad, MD. Murad Skincare is a line of clinically proven, cruelty-free products that meet the meticulous standards for safety, efficacy and care you'd expect from a doctor. Their Rapid Dark Spot Correcting Serum is the number one brightening product in the US, while Murad is the top prestige retinol brand in the US. I've been loving the Vita C Glycolic Brightening Serum that dramatically brightens skin. I've also been using the Vita C Eyes Dark Circle Corrector. This gold-stabilised Vitamin C Eye Serum fights the look of dark circles in as little as two weeks, and it contains these light-reflecting micro-minerals that instantly brighten the under-eyes. I love it. Visit murad.co.uk or .com if you're in the States and use the code u So that's all in capitals, C-A-L-M-E-R-Y-O-U at checkout to save 20% on your order. Yeah, yeah. And it's so important to to take stock and to ask ourselves those questions I think it's really easy to to go through life and not not reflect and kind of bounce from one thing to another um which yeah just talking from personal experience having done that and before I I kind of got to know myself and yeah I love that you were you were kind of questioning those things and yeah it's really interesting to hear you share your story of that because I think it's so easy for people to look at someone and think you know they've you know it's always they've always been really confident they've never struggled with things but I think everyone struggles with things everyone's had ups and downs and self-love can be one of those things that can change in our lives like if you have a relationship that brings you down you know you might not love yourself so much in those times or yeah different experiences that we have or different setbacks. so it's really interesting to hear you you share that I saw, I think you posted it today on your Instagram about celebrating ourselves and and why we should celebrate (laughs) ourselves. (laughs) Is that something? Can you can you say a bit about that and why that's important?
2: Oh my gosh, I'm so big on that. And I think I learned that from my mum. My mum is her own biggest cheerleader, and I've seen firsthand how it has helped her in life. And I think that's so important because people are not mind readers people can only know so much about you if you are unwilling to tell them right and everyone is convinced that oh results will speak for me but sometimes results are not that loud and you really need to be like an advocate for yourself and I think a lot of this career success that I've had today is due to my willingness to say by the way I've done this by the way, I did that because what it was doing is, is putting me on other people's radar or um, putting my name in rooms where otherwise my name may have not been in. And I think that especially as, as women, like society has suggested for so long that we need to be humble at all times and it's funny if you look at the dictionary definition of humble it says um an insignificant or low lowly sense of worth and I'm like I don't really like that definition no that sounds terrible yeah like I was like I'm not like I'm not I remember reading it and thinking I don't really like this this definition of humble um and I think society has taught women okay you need to be quiet you need to be humble you need to be meek and that is how you get far in life and honestly I feel like it's the complete opposite like be kind to people, be compassionate, be considerate, do not be arrogant. But that doesn't mean you have to have a low sense of identity or an insignificant sense of self. I think you can have a fantastic sense of self. You can value yourself highly and still be a great person based on how you interact with other people. And so for that reason, I'm always telling women, like in particular, if you do something amazing, Like, why are you going to be quiet about it? Why are you going to be ashamed about it? You should be patting yourself on the back. You should be celebrating it. You should be screaming about it. And I honestly think that there is a psychological impact because even on like a, a basic level, they always say that, and um, the way you talk to yourself is really important. And words of affirmation, if they become habit habits, they have a significant impact on your self-esteem. I think the same is true for celebrating your achievements. I think when I look at my friends who are quick to tell me about all the amazing things they've done, and who are quick to celebrate their wins versus my friends who are very quiet, who always feel shy about celebrating themselves, there's a distinct difference in how their mood is generally day to day. Right. And I just think like it's a good habit to get into to say even something small, like, wow, I managed to walk that mile today. That's amazing. I'm so proud of myself. This is great. Or wow, I managed to finish this piece of artwork that I've been working on for ages. I want to share it with someone. I'm going to send a picture to my best friend. Like it doesn't need to be some really loud display of achievement on social media. It could be as small as just telling your mother, telling your friend, even just like celebrating yourself getting a takeaway but just doing something to acknowledge that you are doing a good job
1: Mm, it's so important because it's like I think one of the biggest things the biggest problems I see people having is having a really loud inner critic obviously there's lots of problems but that's a very common one that I see and it's almost like this is the antidote to that we need to counteract that inner critic with some celebration some positive self-talk and yeah I love how you're role modeling that and just giving Giving us all permission to to do that a bit more. So that's really good. That's really good. One question I quite often ask my guests is, is there anything that you are personally struggling with at the moment? And if so, what are you doing to to kind of manage that or overcome that?
2: One thing that I am struggling with that I'm, I'm working on every day is feeling like I always need something lined up like I need to be working towards something. And I think that can often come from achieving something publicly and feeling like there's this pressure on you now to keep up with that so I, I think when I obviously like signed my book deal when my book came out people bought the book and they loved the book it was like uh crap what next what do I do now people are going to be expecting something amazing how do I keep up trajectory how do I keep up momentum and I found myself feeling super anxious about it and waking up and thinking oh my god I need to create the next big thing or have the next amazing idea and oh my god people are going to be so disappointed if I don't And I had to counteract that by telling myself that, you know what, in celebrating your wins, you also have to sit in them. You also have to allow yourself to enjoy them. You also have to give yourself permission for relaxation. You you have to give yourself permission for everything to marinate. You don't have to jump to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And Sometimes I catch myself thinking, okay, Tony, you need this plan, what's next? And I have to be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Like just do what you did before, which was enjoy the process. Focus on the purpose. Don't focus on the outcome. And I got to a point where I was like focusing on the outcome and I was like, okay, I need deliverables. I I really want want people to think like everything is going great. But I was like, no, that's not how I got into this position. I got into this position because I didn't care about the outcome. I cared about the purpose. What was my intention? My intention was to help people. My intention was to help women in particular. My intention was to help people navigate life a little bit easier. And I just have to remind myself of that every day that outcomes are great. But if your purpose is pure, then the outcome is going to be good regardless. So what is my purpose? Enjoy the process and think about how I'm giving back.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure so many people listening can resonate with that. I know I can. It's it's like there's a treadmill of like achievements. Like once you do one thing, it's like, Everyone who I've spoken to has written a book. It's like you write a book and everyone's asking, when's the next book coming out? Or <laughs> you have a baby and everyone's like, when are you having another yeah. one? I've just bought a house and ev- my oh, in laws, my parents ask me every day, like, how are the renovations coming along? It's like, nothing's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Run out of money. Um, but um, yeah, so I love the idea of just focusing on the process and actually the intention of of what we're doing rather than the, the outcome and yeah I'm sure it comes from good intentions people ask lots of questions but yeah I, I think we need to come back to ourselves as you say and yeah it makes a lot of sense I wanted to ask you about money because I know this is another topic that you talk um yeah really well about you did a podcast series of BBC Sounds called Money Moves which I've been listening to and loving can you share a bit about your mindset with money and why you think it's important to consider our mindset around money?
2: Yeah. Uh, So my mindset with money is is very much um, money is there to help me to make my life easier. Money is not there to be a thorn in my side. And I think that that relationship was a relationship that developed having been in debt after coming Uh, out of university and just feeling overwhelmed I felt like I was drowning to be honest and then I had to take matters into my own hands and I created a spreadsheet and helped myself get out of, of that debt but in doing so I realized that I had an unhealthy relationship with money. It was something that I chased, that I felt I needed for happiness. And oh my God, if I didn't have it, it's going to be a problem. And if I do have it, i need to be really careful with it. And I can't enjoy it. And if I do enjoy it, I'm a horrible person. And I had to strike a balance and realize, actually, you know what? Sometimes you're not going to stay within budget. That doesn't make you a failure sometimes you're not going to have the money you want. That doesn't mean you're never going to have it in future. Um, Sometimes you might be in a great financial position, but that doesn't mean that you should just let go of all your, your newly formed helpful habits. So it's about understanding that money can be a tool to help me, but I shouldn't beat myself up over it either. And I think a lot of problems uh, related to stress and anxiety involve people beating themselves up over not having money or comparing themselves to their peers and feeling like they need to have a certain amount by a certain age or like a certain amount in their savings account by a certain age when in actuality, like everyone's money journey is different. Everyone's money journey looks different. And it's not about the amount, it's about the relationship. Do, Do I wake up in the morning stressing? If the answer is no, I'm in a good place, whether I have 500 in my account or 5,000 in in my account. Do I feel like I have a good relationship with it enough that I'm willing to sit down pen and paper and look at my accounts online? Or do I feel like I just want to cover my eyes and cover my ears and and not look at it? And if, if I'm in a good place and I have that healthy relationship and I'm able to face my money head on and I feel like it's not taking over my life, then the digits and the amounts don't matter. It's about the stress in relation to how I view money. So yeah, that, that was something I, de- I definitely learned with time.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I think it's such a, it's still such a taboo topic to talk about. It's amazing. It's like 2022 <laughs> still like people are, we're kind of shy about it or we, there's a shame <laughs> associated with it. I know a lot of people say like, oh, I just wish money didn't exist or something. Or yeah, I, I think when you look at, statistics are the biggest things that people worry about money is very high if not the number one thing people are worrying about money but yeah I just wondered if you had any any advice for people I know that you you're a fan of budgeting yeah did you have any advice people (laughs) want to feel better about money or have a better yeah relationship with it in general
2: yeah I guess it's about the acknowledging okay we are where we are money has been in existence for for Thousands of years, actually, like as far as recording currency and people trading with something or or something similar to money. So it's been in in human society for so long. So we're never going to get rid of it. So it's about readjusting your your mind. So for me, budgeting is important. But before you even get to that point of being willing to budget, it's about ripping that bandaid off, uh, uh, ripping that plaster or that bandaid off and saying to yourself, you know what? I'm willing to face it. I'm willing to face it. Any kind of financial issue or any money issue I have head on, which means being willing to look at things, being willing to to address things, being willing to open letters, being willing to write things down. So that's step one, just the willingness to do that. And then step two, I think that um, understanding your money habits um, comes with being compassionate with yourself as well. So People people talk about budgeting like oh you just you know write stuff down what's coming in your account what's coming out what's your uncle you are done but no you also have to be kind to yourself in the process because you're going to start budgeting you're going to realize wow I'm spending this much on on food every month or I'm spending this much on clothes every month or wow I spent this much sending to friends and family every month and you might feel really bad in the process or you might look at what's coming into your account and feel like I just don't earn enough money but you have to be compassionate with yourself before you even start that process, or you need to be willing to be compassionate. And then yeah, it's about making the most of digital tools. So for example, I have a spreadsheet that I use, but there are lots of different tools online to help make things a little bit easier. There are tools that are even automated that connect to your account. So every time you spend money, it takes a fraction, uh, it takes a percentage of that money, takes it from your account and moves it to a savings pot, for example, or it will categorize your spending. So at the end of the month, when you do come to a budget, you have a clearer picture of how you're managing your money. Um, It might even provide tips and and advice of, of things you can do better or things you can change. So making the most of digital tools being compassionate with yourself, being willing to open letters, being willing to face things head on and just rip off that plaster. And also talking to people, like you said, it's a massive taboo. But I think one thing that really helps is having those open conversations. I've had friends in the past that have been in, extreme amounts of debt, and they have faced depression because they don't want to speak to their parents. They don't want to speak to their partner. And they are drowning in this shame because they do not want to be a burden to other people or feel like they've disappointed anyone. But one thing I've said to friends in the past is that the people who love you would rather have you in a better state of mood, have all the information they need to support you, rather than have you drowning under a sea of, of letters, under a sea of, of bailiff requests, you feeling completely depressed in a horrible state of low mood and not telling them. And I think sometimes we can feel like we don't want to be a burden. We don't want to uh, feel shame. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't want to admit to our failings. But sometimes it takes that admittance to just feel like, oh, okay, I'm not alone. I can do this. Someone else is holding me accountable. I feel better. So I think those are... Um, those are things that I've, I've learned with time as far as like managing money, this willingness to talk and just admit when things aren't going well.
1: Mm, yeah, I think that's so important to, as you say, face things head on, not bury your head in the sand and not, you know, I've definitely, yeah, had times when I'm like, I can't look at my bank yes. right now. I don't <laughs> want to see my credit card statement. I just don't want to look at that. I'm just going to like, yeah, not think about that. But actually, yeah, it's not very healthy for us to be kind of in denial or not not knowing our numbers and actually, yeah, facing that head on and, and talking to someone else about it because yeah, when we're, when we're not alone with something, it, it helps so much to, to just say it out loud sometimes, because it can be one of those things I think with money where there's shame around it and we kind of internalize things and actually just saying things out loud, yeah, yeah it's gonna, it's gonna feel a lot better and maybe, you know, make you more accountable as you say to, to sort of getting yourself out of that situation.
2: Definitely. And taking small steps as well. That's the thing that was really important for me in, the, in that entire process, when it's like documenting, talking to other people. It's also about taking small steps because I think when we're in financial kind of issues, we think we need to have this like massive goal. Like, oh, by the end of the year, I'm going to save 10,000. Oh, by the end of the year, I'm going to be debt-free. But no, it's about those like um, those small habits. So uh, for example, there's a, there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a great book. And he talks about the importance of tiny steps and atomic habits and I think approaching money issues in the same way is great so not having this goal of £10,000 by the end of the year and saying actually you know what I'm gonna put away £5 a week a £5 note I'm gonna put it away every week or every time I buy a coffee I'm gonna put one pound in this jar or like just doing something small and it's all those tiny like implemented changes that will help you change your habits that will help you change your outcomes as opposed to like having this like big goal that just overwhelms you as much as the money does but just saying you know what baby steps tiny tiny steps and they all add up
1: Mm, I love that so good yeah so I guess this is the final question I was curious are there any things that you do to maintain your mental health do you have any particular habits or routines or things that you do that that help you
2: One thing that I do to help me is um, listen to music that puts me in a good mood so every emotional period like significant Dark period I've had in my life, I can think of a song that helped me through it. And I think that connection with music has been great for me because sometimes I just found find myself having a terrible day and I switch on a particular song and I'm like, okay, I feel a bit better because this song reminds me of a happy moment or a happy time. Another thing that really helps me is um this is probably gonna sound weird to some people, but cleaning, <laughs> cleaning and candles. Yeah. And when I say that, like when I have when I'm in a state of low mood and I have a cluttered space, I just feel so overwhelmed. It's just like, oh, my God, I feel even worse. But then the process, it's weird because for some people, the state of low mood even prevents them from cleaning in the first place. And I totally understand that. But for me, sometimes the cleaning is the like robotic routine I need to feel a bit better, putting stuff away cleaning things, spraying things. It's like, um, almost like that ASMR you find on the internet, right? Where it's like, okay, I have this consistent routine. I clean my bathroom in a certain way. I clean my my kitchen in a certain way. I clean my living room in a certain way. So it's almost like I zone out and I'm like, okay, this, this is going to help me think about something else for the moment. And then when I'm done, I light a candle and I just sit down and when everywhere is clean and I have my candle lit, I just feel like, The world is like at peace again. Everything is is fine. (laughs) We're fine. Everything is okay. Another big routine for me is talking to people, especially my siblings or my mom. Like when I'm in the worst state, I need to vent. I need to speak to someone. Otherwise I'm just going to like bottle up and just explode and it's just going to be a mess. So like calling my brother, calling my sister, calling my mom and saying, what do you think about this I might not be so like forthright or forthcoming initially but I might be like oh what do you think about this someone said this to me and it's making me feel like this and what do you think about it and just knowing that I'm gonna hear these words of affirmation from them and they're gonna say you know what don't pay attention to it it's fine don't pay attention to that troll online it's okay think about this think about what you're trying to achieve so um all those yeah I think all those things are are key things and i'm I'm a foodie, but i'm I, I'm always careful about saying this because obviously that like some people can have a, a, a negative relationship to food when it comes to like managing their mood. but I've managed to control it in a way that I don't do it in excess, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I've had a rubbish day i need I need this I need to eat this thing because this thing makes me happy and this thing reminds me of home or this thing reminds me of childhood, whether it's like ice cream, whether I'm like ordering Nigerian food because my like family's Nigerian, and it's like. This is to me, this is like a mental connection to like home comforts. So when I eat this, I feel like, yes, I'm in a, I'm in a good place. I feel better. I can reset. I feel good. So those are a few things I do personally to to help me. Love it,
1: love it. Yeah. Comfort food is definitely, definitely helpful. And I love that idea of cleaning. You know, I'd I'm gonna, when I'm cleaning next, I'm gonna bear that in mind. I'm gonna just have the intention that I can allow this to be almost meditative. I might actually like dust my mirror or something <laughs> <in> a minute. <laughs> <In> a <bit. laughs> but actually I think just you saying that I think I'm gonna yeah next time I'm cleaning I'm gonna just gonna think about it in a different way and see if I can yeah use it to be present and and as the kind of repetitive movements yeah. just kind of get into it so I love that thank you for sharing all of that so yeah nice. thank you so much for everything you shared Tony it's been absolutely brilliant where thank can people find out more me. about you and Um, Can you just share a bit uh, bit about where you can buy your book? I'm sure it's just in every bookshop, etc.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, people can find me on Twitter, Instagram uh, under the username Tony Tone, but with zeros instead of O's just to be annoying. So T zero N I T zero N E. And my book is called I Wish I Knew This Earlier. It's on Amazon and in uh, UK bookstores and in US bookstores as well. Should you have like an international audience? And in... oh, and in Canada too. So Barnes and Noble, Waterstones, awesome. Foils. Yeah, most bookstores. Great.
1: So good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much,
2: Chloe.
1: You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Bretheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, KarmaU.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions